if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. The 11 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock as we continue on AM 1420. The answer. Thanks for being with us. It is a Monday, the 11th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks again to Congressman Jordan. Great stuff there. I want to share something with you as we start hour two and then go right to your phone calls as I promised that I would. But this is important. We haven't spent as much time talking about reopening Ohio and reopening the country today as we normally do during this period. Uh, because we wanted to really uh, address the press and the uh, incredible chutzpah that they have, honestly, in just lying directly to our faces, presenting false information as being factual, and then saying, oh, we missed it. Uh, yeah, our bad. I didn't even say our bad, just said we regret the error. So I had to do the Chuck Todd thing, but let's talk about getting the state of Ohio and getting the country open again. Particularly, I want to share the words of somebody that if you're online a lot, you probably have already heard because he went viral uh, over the weekend, I guess. Maybe it was late last week, but I heard it over the weekend. And uh, he uh, he went viral because he's a doctor who says he is speaking out for a lot of other doctors. And he really is, I, I kind of, I just uh, talked to Jim Jordan and I described Molly Hemingway of The Federalist as being equal parts brilliant and courageous because it takes guts to do what she's done. Same thing here. It takes guts to be a doctor and to speak out against the CDC and the other widespread uh, medical community that is looking to continue to uh, see things through the worst case scenario lens, predict doom and gloom and order everybody to be locked down in order to stop doom and gloom from happening. His name is Dr. Jeff Bark. He's a family practice physician in Newport Beach, California. And he spoke out. Oh, here, okay, now I guess I do see the date on this. Uh, it went viral over the weekend. This is when a lot of people shared it, myself included. But this was from a rally on May 5th. Dr. Jeff Bark stepped out, grabbed the microphone, and said, uh, we need to get to the truth here. Because what you're being told is not true. This is about two minutes long, then we'll go to your calls. Listen up. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country 
whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Yet at the same time, it's essential to keep pot dispensaries open. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. So his remarks went on for about another four minutes. I just wanted to give you two minutes of highlights there because um, he is speaking, as he said, for a lot of doctors who are voiceless, a lot of doctors who are not allowed or are afraid to speak out against what is being done because it just flies in the face of all that we know in terms of American history and in terms of American um, liberty. The bottom line is we, we've never had to endure the tyranny uh, that is locking down a healthy population. Have people been locked down or quarantined for being unhealthy? Yes, particularly uh, you know if there's a segment of population. Yes, and if it's a uh, you know a, a, a dangerous contagion that is killing people at alarming rates. Yes, but two things: no, this country has never locked down a healthy population, and we are ninety nine point five percent of us healthy. Uh, and second of all. Um, you know, they've never done this to us with respect to locking down a healthy population. They've never done this to us, um, without any regard whatsoever to other people's health. What I mean is, by locking down the healthy population, they are creating other unhealthy people. And I'm talking about the numbers. I'm talking about the number of people who are indeed, um, killing themselves or or harming other people or abusing themselves or abusing their families by drugs and alcohol and, and other things that come with poverty. For every 1% of increase of unemployment, another uh, 10,000 people die, according to the statistics. And oh, by the way, the other part about this that is just bad science, bad science, we found this out from Andrew Cuomo, of all people, the governor of New York on Friday, who said he was shocked to learn that 66% of the new uh, coronavirus hospitalizations are from people who had been staying home. 
the people who have been quarantining themselves because they've been ordered to by tyrannical dictator governors. So it's just wrong science, and it's never been done before. It's never been done before where the healthy population has been locked up uh, for, quote-unquote, their own good. It needs to end. Okay, uh, let's go back to the phones, and we'll talk to uh, John in Lakewood first. John's been there for a while now. Thank you for your patience. John, go right ahead. Good morning. I'm 85, pretty soon. I'm lucky I'm not in a nursing home with no visitors. Next to Magna Carta, American Constitution has stood the test of the time. we all in it together. And I'm sad that I have to say this very bluntly. Every cable, every channel, I've been on the radios in 1967 calling shows. I wrote a paper on FM Radio in 1961 in graduate school. The area is being polluted by talking points by everybody that I can think of. I watch all of them. I listen to all of them. I want to learn until I die. But sad, founding father says the fragile republic. They were so far ahead of the game, we don't even deserve. We talk more about sports. We don't want to cooperate. And finally, I don't want to go back to Chuck Todd or anybody. We also know what happened to Casper Weinberger and Iran Contra. See, I know the history. I'm not an expert. I'm willing to take a lie detector test to show that I'm an idiot, ignorant. But I want this country to move forward. I'm very passionate. My wife will come down and say, why are you yelling after 54 years of marriage? Why in the world, a greatest country on earth where you can have the cake and eat it, reduce it to nothing more than a, you know, mask is going to be pretty soon saying the muffling of the First Amendment. That's the type of arguments we are getting. The air is being polluted. Thank God. Don't do this. I'm 85 pretty soon. John, John, here's what I would say in response to your wife, and I don't mean directly to her, but to other people. Here's what I would say, and thank you for the phone call. Not why are you yelling. I would ask, why are you not yelling? Why are people not yelling as they see their, their country um, literally torn apart? I mean, really, at its very core, this country was founded on liberty, and liberty is being torn to shreds. That's the bottom line here. Your freedom to live and move about as you see fit based on your decision, based on your belief, based on your understanding of what it takes for you to remain healthy is being taken away from you. We are all being treated like children grounded by our daddies. Mommy Acton and Daddy DeWine, and then, of course, in other states, in some places it's far worse, by the way, all been grounded and told, stay in your rooms, you're not allowed out, because I don't trust you to make good decisions. That's essentially what it comes down to. And when I say, by the way, that it's worse in some other places, I mean that. If you think we have it bad with Daddy DeWine, and this is why I'm waiting for the governor, or excuse me, but the president, to step up and be a little bit more forceful. I know he can't obviously make them do anything, but but to to publicly encourage and to shine a spotlight on these things. But the governor of Illinois, Democrat uh, Governor Pritzker, J.B. Pritzker, has his state in lockdown and has said that they will remain there indefinitely. Let me say that again, indefinitely. People of the state of Illinois must wear masks in public, must socially distant, and it's going to stay that way until he decides otherwise. No end date. Only his authoritarian orders will matter in the state of Illinois. And since the coronavirus will always exist, this guy will always have that authoritarian dictatorship-type power. He literally said, quote, Phase 4 is just the phase before we would have a vaccine. Assuming we may never, may, we maybe never even get a vaccine, we'll have to deal with hopefully a treatment that will come along and be effective. But even without that, everyone's going to have to wear a mask. 
we're still going to have to socially distance. The truth is that coronavirus is still out there. As if it is plague. As if 99.5% of the people who contracted are not living and surviving. As if it is something that is just deadly and just ripping its way through our population and leaving a mass of graves behind it. It hasn't gone anywhere. And so we are all going to have to change, he said, the way we do things until we're able to eradicate it. In other words, according to the governor of Illinois, there will not be freedom in the state of Illinois until the coronavirus disappears. Not until curves are flattened. Not until hospitals are safe. Not until any of the above. So just until the entire thing disappears, until there's no germ anymore. I'm not ever, I, I can't imagine I've ever, you know, uh, want, you know, been able to say out loud that um, we should be thankful that we live in the state of Ohio under Mike DeWine. But honestly, compared to this guy, holy goodness, it could be even worse. Back after this. A few more phone calls in here before the bottom of the hour, so let's go right to it. 216-901-0945. Lisa in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, hi, Bob. How you doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I've been uh, doing a lot of reading, and I try to, you know, get multiple news sources and I, as I gag when I do it. But um, it seems to me right now that there's like five um, federal um, Senate seats that right now they're being just mowed over by the Democrats. And I guess my big thing is both, and, and take in mind, people like Jim Jordan, there are a few there that are really good, and I admire them. But I just wonder, where has the Republican Party been, both state level and federal level? I never, ever hear anybody standing up to a microphone to defend our side of the story or defend the president. And I was going to say also that... Um, I don't know how we can do it, but somehow we've got to find a way to get our message out. Myself, for instance, my husband and my son and I, we don't go to family gatherings anymore because we are the bad people. My mother told me, well, we don't want you guys over because we think you're going to beat up on the other family. (laughs) I have, yeah, isn't that nice? So my niece is going to be getting married. Her husband is a internal medicine doctor. He's a pharmacist. And now he's an anesthesiologist. He makes $500,000 plus. Now, before this virus hit, they just jet set themselves off to France every weekend. So I told my mother, I go, does he realize that he will be making 30000 a year and the government will tell him what he's going to be doing? I mean, this, these are the idiots in my own family. But I just figure, hey, we won't go. But, but, and then one more thing. Um, I would encourage everyone, if they can, to make the drive to Columbus. I haven't gone yet. I'm a 52-year diabetic. I'm putting my mask on, and any weekend I could get down there, I'm going. I say we pick a date, and we just open up the state. The heck with them. We just, everybody open up. Pick a date, and we'll do it. So I thanks would love so to much do that. for spreading the yeah. good word. 
Thank you. I appreciate your call, Lisa. I, I second that emotion. Uh, I would love to see everybody just say, you know what? Um, we're going to let the market decide. We're going to let the people decide. We are going to keep our place clean. We're going to keep our place hygienic. We're going to keep our place safe for people to come, and we'll let the people come and decide uh, if whether or not our business dies or not. I'm not going to sit here and just die on my knees because the government tells me I cannot run my business. As for the Senate campaigns, by the way, uh, don't be misled into thinking that the Republican Party is standing still. Uh, the GOP... Right now, according to the latest finance reports, the GOP uh, has a considerable amount of money, a big lead, at least $20 million in cash on hand uh, over the Democrat Party. The debts, the GOP has less this. I'm talking about the Republican Senatorial Committee. Uh, they have less than a million dollars in debts. The Democrat uh, Party has about $8 million in debts. And in terms of total fundraising, they've outraised them by roughly $100 million. So uh, they're raising a ton of money, and I think there are a lot of Senate uh, Republicans out there advocating for our senators who are sitting senators and for others who are uh, campaigning to take seats. So I feel pretty good about that, actually. Uh, t- uh, I'm sorry, it's uh, John in Chard next. Hey, John, go ahead. Yo, Bob. Yo, John. Quick point and then a and then a comment. Yeah. When when Chuck Todd first came on the scene, he was referred to in the media as F. Chuck Todd, until Rush Limbaugh started referring to him as F. Chuck. Then the drive-by media quickly went back to plain old Chuck Todd. Anyway, uh, now my comment. As things are opening up uh, here in Ohio and elsewhere, what you're hearing from the Democrats and the liberal media, but I repeat myself as your friend Peter Kersenow would say, <laughs> yeah, right, is, is, yeah, is the increased number of deaths due to the uh, due to the virus. I I uh, view all this with suspicion and doubt. I think the only close and fair way to make a comparison. Uh, would be to compare overall deaths this year uh, with overall deaths last year in in the same segment of time, you know. And that well, I I, I, I don't disagree. I, my, my thing, and thank you for the call, uh, John. My my thing is that I want to see the actual real number na- nationwide and in our state too. I want to see the real number of. Um, flu deaths and the number of pneumonia deaths because those are the ones that have been falling because they're calling anything that's respiratory related COVID deaths even if it hasn't been tested positively or proven that way so to me that's what I would like to see so they can get a much better because I don't trust those death numbers either alright it's 1030 news time now we're going to talk to a guest from the other side of the pond that's right the big one the Atlantic one we're going to England and we're going to talk to the uh, Breitbart London Bureau Chief about the man responsible for the models that have led us to destroying our own economy and whether or not he's following his own own advice hint he's not that story coming up next day in 1420 the answer Ten thirty-eight, a little late coming back in. Apologies for that, but good uh, calls and a good conversation with Congressman Jim Jordan as well. So I regret nothing. Uh, Twenty-two minutes of outstanding, awesome left for you. Before we turn it over to Mike Gallagher, thanks for being with us. Want to uh, travel now across the big pond uh, that we call the Atlantic Ocean to uh, to uh, England, and uh, want to welcome our guest to the program. I told you Oliver Lane is the Breitbart London Bureau Chief, and he's got some very important information to share with us about the man responsible for the models that have destroyed the entirety of the American economy. Oliver Lane joining us now from London. At least I assume you're in London. Yes, Oliver. 
Mr. France, good afternoon. No, actually, sh- uh, coming to you from rural England under the uh, the new work from home. We're uh, we're all ah. in the big cities lest we get coronavirus and vanish. Uh, uh, well, you know what? You are already, uh, Mr. Lane, ahead of uh, Neil Ferguson because you are observing the work from home and the stay-at-home practices, which is, of course, uh, the subject of our conversation now. Before we talk about what led to the resignation of Neil Fer- Ferguson, the epidemiologist from Imperial College in London, before we talk about that and his hypocrisy, Tell everyone, if you would, in our audience, uh, Oliver Lane, about the model, the model that predicted 2.2 million dead in the United States uh, because of the coronavirus. And in order to curb the epidemic, we would have to, well, essentially do what we've done, and that is shut down our country and shut down our economy and ruin what, ruin what was the most vibrant economy, honestly, in uh, recent American history. Well, the, the most important thing to know about uh, Professor Ferguson's model is that actually we know so little about it. Um, all of these massive decisions, particularly in the United Kingdom, have been taking place behind closed doors. And what we need to remember about Professor Ferguson is that he has a history of failure when it comes to predicting these things. Uh, going back to the very earliest days of this century, um, his predictions on uh, uh, animal-borne disease led to millions of head of cattle and sheep being slaughtered in this country and the the, the, the reviews of his science after the fact, after these disastrous policies have been put in place that absolutely damaged quite badly the UK agricultural sector, which is so important today as it, as it, as it always is, uh, found that his, his junk science um, had, had caused this damage because he was so... Uh, such such a doom monger, and that attitude has been carried through uh, today to uh, to the, the coronavirus uh, issue. Now, Professor Ferguson is was one of the members of the UK government's Sage Committee, the Scientific Action Group, the advisory group, um, and it was his uh, model, this doomsday model, which predicted millions of deaths on both sides of the Atlantic. That certainly had a big impact on the UK government's thinking, and it is claimed that these doomsday figures also bumped President Trump into into a greater action than perhaps otherwise he might he might have done. But what we don't know and, and certainly haven't until very recently is really what this model was based on and how it was producing these results. Uh, because there were so many calls for Professor Ferguson to release his model and he was always saying, I'm sorry it's not ready and even when he did release some code going back some weeks now, um, it was immediately clear from those um, in the uh, computer science uh, arena of which I am not one, so I'm merely relaying to you what others have said at this point uh, that the code was very obviously not the one that he had originally used but something that had been reconstructed after the fact. This is not good science because his original findings were not repeatable um, and yet this is what we have led, led us to um, the uh, our economy and yours being shut down and that's the position we found ourselves last week when Professor Ferguson had a sudden and enormous fall from grace. Again, let's push off the fall from grace for a moment to hit a little bit, dig a little deeper on this. In fact, two points uh, that I'd like you to speak to. Number one, Imperial College itself is also extraordinarily well known for its faulty climate change modeling, is it not? And the fact that uh, if uh, if we, in fact, I read a very very compelling piece at Technocracy News or dot News uh, in which they talk about the modeling used to predict climate disaster worldwide uh, from Imperial College and the modeling being very similar in terms of the junk science, really, to the uh, threat of the global pandemic wiping out millions of people here in the United States and around the world. So. 
number one, can you speak to that if there's anything about the Imperial College climate models that look familiar? And then secondly, as it pertains to this man, I'm just curious, given everything you just told us about his previous work and his, you know, junk science is being exposed, why is he referred to? Why do people turn to him as the world's leading epidemiologist to give us the real model here about what, you know, uh, about what we are facing? It sounds to me like he doesn't have the credibility to uh, justify his popularity. Well, there are, there are two issues here. The first of which is the similarity between his modeling and others done by Imperial. And if you want to know more about this, I cannot commend more highly the work of my colleague, James Dellingpole, of course. Uh, he, the originator of that famous saying, watermelons, uh, whereas uh, environmental um, activists, they're green on the outside, but they're, they're red on the middle, of course, referring to green politics as being a Trojan horse of socialism. Um, and he could tell you more about that. But so these models are what a computer scientist would call a it's black box software. You put data in, data comes out, but what actually happens inside the workings is very opaque. And it's, it's, it's impossible to know what is going in there, on in there and why. And, be, and because of that, we, the public, um, be, our, be we journalists or, or consumers of news, are kept in the dark. By, in, in the first instance, by these, these scientists who are making these decisions on our behalf. Because, of course, especially in the United Kingdom now, the government is really making very few decisions as they keep on saying, we are relying on the science. We are doing what the scientist tells us, which means the people that we have voted for are no longer making any decisions. It's the scientists who nobody's voted for is making decisions. So there's a great concern when there's a lack of transparency there. So um, that's, the, that's, the fir- that's the first part. The second part is that how could Professor Ferguson have this um, this, this authority within government. And the fact is that Imperial College has an extremely comfortable relationship with the British government. It is the provider of science of choice. And as Professor, Professor Ferguson was the top dog um, in his department, it was natural the government should go to him, no matter how many times uh, he has been called out in the past as, as an unreliable um, uh, narrator in this. That is uh, that is always the answer, I think, isn't it? Uh, it's government. Uh, because how could somebody who has been discredited as many times as Neil Ferguson has been still be relied upon to provide answers? It's government, and there's a relationship that obviously they have some vested interest in. We're talking with Oliver Lane. He is the Breitbart London Bureau Chief, and he is uh, reporting on a number of things with respect to Neil Ferguson. But now let's get to uh, the uh, fall from grace, if you will, this wonderful uh, uh, story of everybody turns to Neil Ferguson when Whenever there's a pandemic or something else to predict, and he puts the models together, and his model said that this is going to be so bad and so deadly that we must take drastic actions. We must stay home, close schools, close businesses. We must social distance. We cannot be uh, together in large crowds. We cannot leave our homes unless it's absolutely essential to provide perhaps food or medicine for our family. That's what we were told, but Neil Ferguson didn't practice what he preached, did he, Oliver? No, and, and this, this is the key giveaway, I think, uh, for, for Professor Ferguson and another number of other very senior people in similar sorts of positions who are unloading onto us, the public, these instructions that you must stay away from your family. You may not see your grandparents. You cannot go to your place of work. Um, and if it was really as bad as he believed it was, why would it be that Professor Ferguson as he was speaking with one side of his mouth to lecture the public on how important it was that they stay at home. And even if they didn't understand why themselves, um, they'd better just listen to the experts because that's how it is. With the other side of his mouth inviting his married lover 
around to his home amidst the lockdown um, for, well, whatever it is um, scientists and unmarried lovers get up to. That part was left <laughs> out of the national newspapers, thankfully. Um, but we do know indeed that he was visited twice um, by a, a left-wing activist of his home, um, as I say, reported to be his lover during lockdown. And I think it's the, the, the extraordinary hypocrisy of this uh, that really captured, albeit briefly, uh, the imaginations of uh, so many in the United Kingdom last week and really, I think, struck another hammer blow against Professor Ferguson's um, credibility um, because clearly he wasn't practicing what he was preaching uh, in, in this regard. Um, and he's gone. Uh, he, he stood down um, as the news uh, broke last week. Clearly, he had foresight of the reporting uh, that was coming out about him in a, in a UK national newspaper. And he made his excuses. That initial report, report the exclusive story that broke it in the United Kingdom's Daily Telegraph newspaper, um, he had his own comments in there ex explaining um, that he believed that he was um, immune because he'd already had it. Um, and this is, begs so many questions. I think, first of all, the science, the science doesn't actually uh, back that up. We know, especially from places like South Korea, people are being reinfected um, after having it for the first time and, and, and getting through it. But also, why is it that Professor Ferguson believed that he had the discernment to decide what was a, an acceptable risk for him while telling the rest of the population that they did not have that agency, no matter how smart they thought they were or how appropriate their journey out of the house would be, maybe for an emergency, maybe they needed to do you know, whatever it is that people do every day. They had that ability to make decisions for themselves taken away by Professor Ferguson while he continued to make those decisions about seeing his married lover himself. Now, when I said it captured the imagination very briefly, that's an interesting point. This was the biggest story in the world for 24 hours, and then it basically vanished. And I find that very interesting. Uh, I wonder why it is that um, the, the mainstream media hasn't stopped to dwell on this. Possibly part of this is the way that this has been responded to. Obviously, in the United Kingdom, our lockdown has been until this week. That's changing now. Um, enforced by the police. And if you're found to be outside of your home without just cause, uh, an officer uh, can uh, give you a fine, uh, which can start at £30. It's not a lot, but it can rise and rise if you refuse to pay or if there's subsequent um, infractions. Um, so that's a, that's, a, that's a serious issue. So why is it the police decided they wouldn't be investigating Professor Ferguson's clear breaking of the law, uh, whereas other public figures uh, who have... Yeah, with their own excuses given, um, bro broken this, um, been received late night visits from the police. In what, in one instance, I can that's a very clear instance I can think of. Uh, why is there that disconnect there? And I think that's part of what led this falling out of the story, sorry, out of the news so quickly. Uh, is because despite the fact he was discovered, he was exposed in a national newspaper. The authorities decided to turn um, and look away. We're experiencing the same thing here, but even with elected officials, uh, you know, the governor, or, or excuse me, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, broke her own rules. The governor, uh, mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, broke his own rules, uh, going out into with non-essential travel and visitation and so on and so forth. But you're right. There seems to be one rule for the people and another rule for the rule makers um, themselves. Uh, last thing before you go, Oliver Lane from London or well, from England. And I really appreciate you joining us here. He's the uh, 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 Breitbart uh, Bureau, uh, London Bureau uh, chief. Uh, it's one thing for 
Ferguson to step down and to step away from Imperial College and Sage, but if he had not, would he have been forced to? Does Imperial College now kind of um, uh, rebuke him and his uh, and his science, or do they stand by him? And obviously, the the British government with Sage, his involvement in Sage, would they have gotten rid of him had he not stepped away? Well, that's an interesting counterfactual. Um, that's a, that's a hard one to answer because he went so quickly and. I think perhaps the more interesting question there was, did he volunteer to or was he told to go um, right. by the government that wants to keep keep the story as short as possible? I would hope they would disavow on. him uh, you know, in, in, over this. That's the reason I, I asked the question. I would hope they would disavow indeed, him because of this. Go ahead, sir. I'll let you wrap it up here. What, what, well, what you have to consider is, had he hung on, the, the story um, of... The, the, the top bot, the, the bonking boffin, as they call him, um, called him after this, um, hanging on um, in his position for days and days would have kept the story going. And I think the nightmare situation um, for the government here is they don't want the, the messaging to be confused. If they want people to stay in home, at home, that's all they want the public to hear. Day and night, every television channel, every radio station, it's stay at home. And if people are hearing, oh, well, actually, you know, this guy, Neil Ferguson, he seems to think it's okay to, you know, mess around with his mistress. So maybe it's not actually as bad as they say. So I think that's possibly why he was forced to go so soon. But it's done now. We're a week on. And uh, indeed, the, the lockdown in the United Kingdom is now beginning to, in the tiniest and most imperceptible ways, officially soften. Um, but we have, it seems, a very long road ahead of us yet. Oliver Lane, the uh, Breitbart London Bureau Chief, uh, reporting on Neil Ferguson, the epidemiologist uh, from Imperial College and from SAGE, the uh, government scientific advisory group for emergencies, gone after uh, blatant hypocrisy. But I think his worst crime isn't his uh, getting on with a married woman uh, in violation of their own curfews, etc. But his worst, uh, his worst crime is his faulty models that have destroyed world economies based on uh, phony science. And that is the, uh, the bigger story here, too. Uh, Oliver Lane, thank you so much for reporting from England. We appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you, sir. And thank you for having me on, Mr. France. Th- thank you so much. 10.53, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment is always a short one. Let's get a couple of calls in to wrap this bad boy up today. TJ in Cleveland. Thanks for waiting, TJ. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, your last guest, boy, I almost fell out of my chair. You know, these lefties, and he's right, you know, they're like watermelons. Green on the outside and commie red on the inside. So from now on, I'm not going to refer to them as libtards. To me, these people, I would call them melon heads. But that's (laughs) not why... That's not why I called. You know, it's obvious the left is using this crisis to destroy a presidency, to destroy Western capitalism, to use it to reobtain power. And we're getting a little glimpse of these people. If they do reobtain power and they push their new Green Deal and everything, they think the government boot is bad on our neck. Wait till they see it starting next year if these people get back in power. We're in trouble if they do. I mean, real trouble. Well, you know what? I could not agree more, TJ. And by the way, I like it. It's probably a little bit more politically correct, too, to say melon heads. Thank you, my yeah. friend. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Westlake and Vince on AM 1420 The Answer. Go ahead, Vince. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Good, sir. Good. Uh, I was at the rally yesterday, first of all. Um, and I 
took a good count a couple times, man. And there were times that it looked like it was closer to 350 to 400 people there. Wow, wow, that's good. I, you know, I'd say it's funny. I had my daughter count early on, but I know people kept coming, right. and she didn't do a recount. So, right, uh, right. But, but yeah, were, the local newspaper said a hundred, a hundred people. That's what they always do. No, 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 absolutely not. I looked at all four corners, and that took account that there was there easily, easily three fifty to four hundred. That's point number one. Point number two, um, the gentleman from England just had on speaking uh, about what's going on and how they're not, you know, taking care of things and. More, more disturbing than doing things under the cover of darkness. In, in, in other words, not letting the people know. You know, these people go behind closed doors. They make these decisions, and you know, we're just all supposed to live by them. Which brings me to my last point that you brought up last week, which I thought was great. I did some research on it. Title eighteen, section two forty two. Yes, sir. Why? Why are we not utilizing that more? Why are our congressmen, our senators, our state reps, our local authorities, why is that not being adhered to more? I'll listen to your comment off the air, brother. Okay, appreciate it, Vince. Thanks. My comment is going to be a very short one because we don't have much time left anyway, but my comment is I, I, I want Bill Barr to be the one to look into this. We're talking about a violation of U.S. law. This should be up to the Department of Justice. And, the, and it's Bill Barr that made us aware of Title 18. In that section uh, that says it's unconstitutional for anyone under the color of any law to deprive American citizens of their actual constitutional rights. So, uh, and it's punishable by, uh, you know, uh, fine or imprisonment. So, Bill Barr actually pointed that out in a comment, and that's good, a public comment, but he needs to follow that up with a letter to governors saying cease and desist from your unconstitutional limitations of American citizens. That's all the time that I've got. I apologize if I left you on hold, but you know the clock. It is what it is, and Mike Gallagher is waiting. Stay here for Mike Gallagher. We'll see you tomorrow. Silence.